Hello, friends. Welcome back. For those of you who are new here, Exit Point is a podcast that features conversations with some of the world's most extreme athletes with the intention to extract actionable advice and lessons that we can apply to our lives. If you've already been enjoying the podcast and would like to support our efforts, please consider subscribing on your favorite platform and leaving us a review. It really helps us out by bumping us up on the search engines. And if you're really stoked on what we're doing, you can buy us a coffee. There's a link in the description. Thanks for all your emails and DMs. Your feedback and suggestions have been fueling our energy behind this project. Please keep them coming. In this episode, we speak with Robert Peschnik. Robert is the director, owner, lead wingsuit designer, and test pilot of Phoenix Fly, one of the world's leading wingsuit manufacturers. In Croatia, Robert began his skydiving career in 1982 and is still regularly base jumping with unrelenting enthusiasm. Among other things, we talk about his thoughts on risk and dangers of wingsuit base, and how his passion for wingsuit base has remained so resilient. So with that, let's get Robbie on the track. I'd like to to start with, uh, could you tell us about your life before parachuting? My life before parachuting? Well... Yes. There is no so much life before parachuting because I started when I was 15 years old. You know, I was I basically uh, finished the elementary school. I think you call it elementary. You know, first school which you enter when you're a kid. So and then uh, I finished that and I started jumping. So uh, before that I was a little bit in light athletic. Was uh, also playing basketball. You know, just what usually kids do. But uh, in very early stage of my life, when I was like, I don't know, eight, nine, I started to play with, with, with uh, actually making parachutes already, you know, like a models. And also was making a plastic model, you know, this Rival or Matchbox at the time, you know, where you basically glue it all together, all the parts and paint it and, and, and so on. So focus was already on, on everything which was in the air, you know. But then, as I said, when I was 10, like 11, then I saw some movies, you know, war movies with paratroopers, parachuting, and, and kind of I knew that, that this is something I want to do. And as soon as I was able to, to actually do that, I did it. You know? So I was just normal. It was just normal life. You know, I had a t- uh, I have two brothers, you know, one older, three years older and, and another Boris is my twin. So we spent a lot of time at countryside of my father, mother um, during the summer and spent a lot of time in nature as well almost i can say that we were not really city kids you know i mean we were living in in capital zagreb we were in school there but all the summertime which is like almost three months period in the summer we spent at the countryside so um, that was quality time i remember very well you know okay well i'm curious because i um have to assume that you were of fighting age in the 90s and uh the former Yugoslavia was involved in a pretty dark and, and horrendous war. Um, were you um, were you in, in the military? Yes, I was. I mean, 
back in back in the days uh, in, when we were living in former Yugoslavia, you know, you had this. Uh, um, every person had to go to army you know mm -hmm. so i did that in yugoslav army i was in yugoslav army uh from it was a summer 85 till till uh, autumn 86 so this is mandatory you know every young person had to do it so it was a bit over a year and um there we learned a lot i mean i can say that you know it was not just uh, wasting time i mean of course it's in some sort of depends how you look at it you know but since you are young you know you don't care too much okay you just go with the flow but you know we at least i try to turn that into the quality time anyway you know so it was good i mean i i remember only good parts out of it you know bad times and bad bad things i kind of forget but then 91 when i was 24 you know croatia was uh, fighting for independence from uh, being part of yugoslavia as a, as a republic mm, and yes i volunteered i entered the war in autumn 91 and spent eight months in the war yeah and it was heavy it was not easy it was uh, it was basically autumn winter early spring time when when things got better so the autumn and winter was quite heavy much harder than let's say fighting in the summer let's say so um, but if that sounds strange but on the other hand you know being 24 year old is actually perfect time for that you know it's you know physically mentally you're just okay you know strongest physically mentally let's say still in development but you know okay and um, now with the with the when i look back 20 what 20 almost 30 years ago it's um it's okay you know it's it's uh, it's built up my life experience so well you know and 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 definitely left some uh, very very uh, important uh, lessons what i learned back then for the future, you know, and how I actually have to go through my life afterwards, that um, I still, even though it was terrible time, I can still see some good things which happen due to that, you know, yeah. I can imagine. Uh, I can't help but think that it left or uh, imposed some strong lessons about risk and danger that uh, you've applied to your base jumping. Yes, I mean, okay, uh, war is a war, you know, it forces you to think about it all the time, you know, but about, especially about this uh, risk management, um, I think that the also very important part was the fact that actually I started skydiving very early when I was a kid. You know, and it's not the same when, when you know, when when someone comes into skydiving when he's 35 or 30 or whatever, even 25, and when you enter when you are 15, you know. And uh, the nature of, 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 uh, of our parachuting club was, that was really not just a club like what you can see on the West. It was more like a, like a um, club where actually they developing sportsmen. Sportsman, you know. Um, so we had a filter. You didn't come there and uh, you know you pay and you jump. 
you had to actually pass some exams, you know, be physically uh, and mentally uh, ready and good enough to actually pass those exams to be allowed to start jumping, you know. So people I was jumping with were actually all young kids, you know. We didn't really have, you know, older jumpers, you know, like what you can see now in, in, in on the most of the drop zone, you know, it's it's almost like a dinosaurus, you know, when I look now who is actually <laughs> entering planes, you know. Back then it was more like a kindergarten, you know, it was, it was really funny to see, but actually maybe you can find this still in France, you know, like they have this this kind of culture where the the, the sports universities still um, cherish possibility to 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 enter into aeronautical sports and so on. But um, I would say, as I said, you know, being young in the sport of skydiving and that war experience definitely develop a little bit different view what I have now when I actually doing bay jumping. Yeah. That's interesting. So it was instead of a, a leisure activity, it was you were involved in a, a pipeline of a selection for competition, I'm assuming, or was it uh, was it all directed towards competition or it was directed towards competition, you know, because uh, the, the resources were limited. So it was basically given by the government, you know, because all of us who were actually uh, doing skydiving as a sport or parachuting back then, how they call it, uh, were, uh, we were selected also to, to be a future part of Yugoslav paratroop, uh, paratroop uh, units, you know. So okay. w when I entered the Yugoslav army in 85, I went to paratroop. Troops, you know, so that was part of the agreement as well. But on the other hand, in the clubs when we were jumping back then, you know, as a kids, it was uh, as soon as we got license, you know, like sport license to be basically yep. independent jumper, we were selected to do basically accuracy or style or RW later on, and and it was all directed toward the sports. There was no really fun jumping, you know, in terms like what you see now. All right. All serious. Yeah, all serious. Do you, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember uh, the first time you uh, were exposed to base jumping? Oh, yes, yes, I do. It was uh, a few facts before. Um, uh, when I did my first base jump, I had already 3,000 skydives. So, all right. Yeah, that's that's the that's the basically that's the major difference. How I see, you know, why I'm where I am and what kind of problems other j j bay jumpers have now. You know, um, it was ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight. It was uh, it was uh, Brento, Monte Brento, Italy. My first jump, and uh, I was together. Actually, my my friend who was with me was Stane Krantz from Atair, you know, you know him. Wow, so you guys have a history from the beginning. Yeah, very from from very beginning. Even, you know, we, we met like six, seven years before that, but he started actually before me, like a couple of months before me, and I was a bit pissed, like how the hell you started not even telling me, you know. So uh, right. I rushed into it and basically did my first from Bent, Brento, and then all three jumps afterwards were already um, 
uh, three different, actually four different objects. So my next one was, let's say, first was Earth, you know, Brento Cliff, and then the second was Bridge, and the 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 one after one was Building, and after one was what is missing antenna or something, yeah, which I did in the land. And then in four, in in, in all uh, four jumps, first four jumps, I already got the number. So. <laughs> this was this was really <laughs> funny, you know, but this is how it happens. Yeah, it was '98 when when I started. Yes. So you heard about bass jumping, and then you're like, "Well, I got to do bass for right away." Is that is that was that your mindset, or it just happened to work out like that? No, I was following. Um, like I knew because I was very involved in skydiving and of course when you are into it you follow let's say this skydiving magazine back then and parachutist and some French magazines and we knew about this you know Patrick Pass and all these guys and the Gardon and all these you know icons iconic persons in, in the sport so so I followed that and and by the time I actually step on the on the Brento exit, I, I traveled the world and was already in some records and and met really uh, known people in skydiving. So this was not new for me. But I was just busy skydiving, you know. So didn't want to miss uh, very important parts in my skydiving life, you know. And uh, I was still competing was very involved in that so I knew that bass gonna come just you know I was I was not rushing into it you know so uh, so more or less when my sport career kind of come closer to to end you know then I decided that okay it's time to to basically um, go into bass jumping but also suit development which I started basically year before uh, guide me into bass jumping as well Suit. So when you say suit, you mean wingsuits wingsuit, or wingsuit, RW? Yeah. I mean, I started oh, okay. as a kid. I started making uh, uh, jumpsuits. Well, in 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 1984, I did my I made my first jumpsuit. You know, with the grippers and all this stuff. And then I was doing this for my club. You know, all club members had my suits. You know, and 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 so on. And um, Ultimaster, this uh, cautions. You know holders and everything actually was made by me in my club you know so i was involved in sewing and and and, and making templates and so on but then um wingsuits as, as wingsuits i saw picture of the gardon flying in the canyon and to me it was like okay this is not so complicated to make so i just decided to basically make something serious similar and um, it took me like a couple of weeks not really much longer than maybe two, three weeks. And then I did my first jump 97 in September, if I recall correctly, in Versa. That was from Brento, No, no, right? that, that was skydiving, skydive. Oh, I, okay. I did my first skydive in, in 97 in the wingsuit. And then Brento happened on uh, May... Wait, before... Yeah. Sorry, before we go to Brento, how was the those first jumps in in your handmade skydiving uh, or wingsuit? What what were those like? Actually, honestly, but really honestly, I'm not lying here now. You know, when I put that, I also made this cutaway. You know, everything what I think was important. It was much much simpler uh, cutaway system that the Gardon actually had it on his suit, and 
I kind of had a good feeling about it that I don't see any complication there, you know. So I went okay. to Turbolate, went to 4,000 meter, jump out, and I flew from first, second, straight, nice, made a turn, come back to the option, turn again, go the other direction, back and forth. That day I did four jumps, even following some four-way, you know. And my thought was like, Jesus, this is super easy, you know. And it was easy, you know, it was, it was yeah. not complicated, I mean, right. <laughs> but keep in mind, 3,000 jumps, you know, and, and, and right. solid skydiving career, you know, it's not like 3,000, whatever, exactly the same jumps over and over, you know, it was, it was, it was okay, so. You knew how to fly your body. Yeah, basically it comes to that, yeah. yeah. And then, so at that point, you were involved or designed the first commercial wingsuit. Um, I think Patrick and his buddies in France were making suits for each other and themselves. Um, but you were the first person with uh, Birdman, um, co-owning Birdman to actually sell suits to the public. Is that right? Yeah, that was, uh, the timeline goes pretty much like that. In 98, I did a couple of more prototypes or let's say types of a suit which were quite similar to, to Patrick's design. Then I met Yari from Finland and we formed the Birdman company. I was designing and making and he was pretty much a PR and salesman stuff, what he was doing. And then we came to Florida. Actually, before that, we, we, we were around Europe, you know, and we we came to Europe with about like 60 suits, what we made beforehand, you know, so, so just to have those suits in various sizes uh, for people to try and so on. But Europe actually wasn't really successful because we were mostly kicked out from every drop zone we came, you know, because <laughs> we were like uh, rebels and it was too dangerous and it was stupid. And I mean, it was really a problem, you know, we didn't expect that it's going to be so difficult, but actually it was the very difficult couple of, I would say maybe two drops on in UK were uh, welcome us in, let's say, more or less nice way. Rest, no, you know, Europe, Germany, Germany especially was horrible, you know, um, France as well, you know, not really welcoming well. But then we came to Florida and things changed. Uh, America is America. Again, they mm. just saw opportunity out of everything. And um, uh, we started in Florida. Uh, I remember Mark Truffer, I think from Skydiving, he holds Skydiving back then magazine. Huh? So we made uh, also uh, interview with, with him. And, and somehow, you know, people there were open-minded for that. And uh, things just started well, you know. And then we went to the Quincy, Quincy, how they call it, Quincy World Boogie or something. It was it was a big event back then, you know, in this uh, in 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 Quincy. So we were two years in a row there in '99, 2000. We sold quite a lot of suits, and then business business started well, you know. So uh, it was interesting time. But what people doesn't know actually is that you know from from from. Today's point of view, it looks like, okay, what? You make a suit, you just go to drop zone and you just start flying and everything. But actually we, we were fighting a lot of problems, mostly like uh, bureaucratic problem, uh, guiding problem, teaching problem, you know. There were lots of obstacles we had to go through 
to come to the point where uh, Wingsuit was uh, widely expect, uh, accepted. So uh, mm. much harder than what people might might think. Yeah. I can imagine, especially what you, when you made those comments about uh, France and Germany, they are not exactly the most um, like liberal uh, and open to change, especially in uh, high-risk sports. Um, I, for, I, when I, the first time I went skydiving at a French drop zone, I was just uh, blown away about how uh, regimented and controlled everything was. Uh, it was quite shocking for someone who'd only been jumping in the United States. And even now, the system of rating, uh, you know, as far as like the the tail wing having to not extend the feed, and it's it's quite archaic and uh, and very regimented. You know how they say. I just read some time ago. You know, it was Charles de Gaulle. You know, the French leader. You know, he said like how to right. rule the the country, which has two uh, two hundred fifty six type of cheese. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so this says all. I mean, French, they have legislation which is quite complicated. It's, you know, like cars, like everything what they have, you know, it's, it's quite French, you know. But also, yeah. you know, also with Germany, they were just afraid, you know. Uh, big impact on all of that was the fact that, that uh, birdmaning or flying wings wasn't really, didn't have really a nice, uh, a nice, um, statistics huh? in terms of fatalities even patrick de gardon after all he died how he died in the wingsuit even though it's not really related into flying itself it was rigging error but you know it was enough for the for the drops on owners to say no we don't want that you know also frenchies they had their own tribe there you know loic and, and those guys who were fantastic but I see, I understand why it was difficult for us, you know. You know, every tribe protect his area, and, and so they did, you know. And um, But, you know, time actually smoothed out everything, so it was okay. It sure does. Yeah. So, back to base. Uh, you were jumping in Brento. You uh, started to see and develop these wingsuits. Uh, I'm sure almost immediately you were thinking, wow, okay, these things are going to be fantastic from the cliff. Tell us a, a little bit about the first experiences you had with the wingsuit base. Okay, a uh, few facts. I had uh, my wingsuit jump was my 10th base jump. So my base experience was not so high. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, uh, whoever was around me, also their experience was not so high. You know, it's, it's it, it it just it was different time, a simply different sure. time that that you cannot even compare with nowadays. You know numbers or 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 let's say knowledge in general. So I remember that day uh, we had the opportunity to actually not hike up there but to use a chopper because some American came for some filming, so they hired chopper and we just sneak in Yari and me, and we get to the top. We pull out the the, the this two type, two different actually wingsuits. He had one type, I had another one, you know. And okay, I, it was like, okay, we felt like it's it's the, it's that day, you know, the day for, for that. Let's see how it's going to be, you know. Uh, I wasn't really afraid of doing this, you know. I was quite certain that after all, it can be just like a normal skydive, you know 
where you're not gonna move too much forward and uh, you know it's gonna be more like tracking and after all you know 10 seconds you just pull and you know i don't see much danger there you know um there were a group of german jumpers around you know uh, mostly germans and what i do remember very well is that when i actually stood on the exit you could only hear fly it was complete silence it, 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 it was so <laughs> silent that you know when you made your first skydive you know what you remember canopy opens and complete silence right, right? every yeah, jumper yeah, yeah. you know remember so it was it was basically the same like my first skydive you know when after canopy opens you know you are in the middle of the mountain you know it was a, it was like a springtime it was may you know you expecting lots of noises you know nature just uh, waking up from winter and so on but no nothing nothing so everybody were actually expecting to see fatality, you know. <laughs> this is this is this is how um, well I explained that, you know. Right. But jump went super well. I mean, it was like 28 second, uh, you know, flight. I opened. Okay. It was on heading. I landed to the main area, main landing area, and then Yari repeated exactly the same pattern with exact number, and you know, people just couldn't believe and. We as well. We were so exhausted mentally, and uh, I can imagine. Yeah. So that 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 one jump was that was it for that day. You know, I didn't have any urge to to run again to do a second jump. No, it yeah. was it was very interesting. <laughs> but I knew that this gonna be interesting. That we just pulled the dragon out of the you know the back. You know. So you did realize at that moment that potentially that this was going to be a, a life-changing uh, experience for you. That decision that it's going to be life-changing uh, experience already actually came just by the fact that, that we organized the company. We were already in making suits for our skydiving trip. So that I couldn't pull back from, from that position. But that brain right. to jump basically uh, assured me that yes this is gonna be a this is that it's gonna be a big trip you know it's gonna be something mm. something different even better than i thought it's gonna be you know and uh from then on because as long as i've known of you and and known you you've been primarily focused on base jumping like uh, your external uh presence uh, with your company. I mean, of course it's massive in the skydiving realm as well, but I've, I see you more as a base jumper now than a skydiver. Would you would not agree? No, no, that, that's correct. Because, uh, also the timeline is so, you know, when these social medias and skydiving movies came out and, you know, when things starts to be more, uh, more approachable for others, my skydiving career already already was coming to my end to 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 end yeah so uh and then my base career actually just started so of course for the audience uh, those people who knows me of course they know me as a wing shooter or wing suit developer and base jumper which is correct and i agree yeah although my skydiving career is quite nice and it was quite long but as i said it was it was in 90s and 80s, so it's natural that, that people see me as a bay jumper more. And I, uh, at the end, I see myself more as a bay jumper now as well, of course. Yeah. 
so there, I mean, there are other smaller manufacturers out now, but there, there really are just two at the forefront of innovation. Um, and, uh, I mean, you were there for the first commercial operation and you've remained there, uh, at the forefront since then. Can you tell us a little bit about your process in research and development? Uh, Cause I have to assume that it's changed quite a bit throughout the years or perhaps not. Yeah, that's a that's very controversial subject. You know, depends. Um, I was thinking a lot about this. You know, where are we as far as development? You know, and I often compare this development with the canopies, skydiving canopy development. You know, uh, one would say that actually canopies uh, are way different now than they were like 30 years ago. Um, that are much faster, much better, this and that, you know. And uh, but then, if you look at it, and if you if you really go for data and 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 so on, not for the feeling and not for the marketing, you would see that actually stiletto, the canopy which was made in '93, you know, is still basically a good all-around canopy, and people still jumping with it. Then you will see that actually. Um, glide ratio of skydiving canopy it's always statistical or always uh, theoretical 2.5 on in, in all charts you know and uh, you come to the point where actually you realize it's aerodynamics and it's about span and lift and then when it comes to the span and lift you realize that you know as long as we have two meter span it's going to be that much lift and that much glide you know so in terms if you if you look theoretically we didn't really make a big step in this last 10 years you know what what really i mean like a glide wise let's say uh, what change is that um, of course this little improvements in wingsuits what has been made by all the companies involved you know we have phoenix tony or squirrel or s fly you know which was back then is that uh, much, much uh, bigger numbers of jumpers actually enter into the sport of skydiving. Uh, knowledge become much, much bigger. And what people noticed actually, and what people discussed, uh, actually contributed to, 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 to us as a developers, you know. And uh, also understanding what is best to do in order to get better performance in this area, that area, whatever area, actually can become much better. <coughs> so I would say there is certain areas which were way better than used to be, like pressurization, like uh, um, uh, smoothness of flying, you know, stability and so on. Not so much into performance as a like peak performance you know good people back then you were able actually to fly pretty much you know those 10 years ago 15 years ago let's say 10 years ago some flights are incredible even now you know and which actually shows that as far as let's say glide ratio which is first thing what people comes up with uh, when, when it's about the numbers it's not really changed much and it's not going to be changed much this I can also say, you know, but um, other huge characteristic actually, which uh, which uh, helped people to fly easier, to actually uh, go through the process easier and so on, has been improved a lot. That's for sure. 
that's for sure. You know. So what I'm hearing you say is that uh, that the overall performance of wingsuits hasn't drastically increased over the years, but that uh, balance and usability and accessibility of the suits has improved drastically through the feedback that you've received from the participants that are actually jumping. Yes. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And also very important part, how to actually go through the through through the process of learning to fly wingsuit. That also changed a lot. And it's much easier now for, for let's say, wingsuit experts to teach others, you know, because they know mm-hmm. it's already widely known what is the first exercise, second, third, fourth, you know, what is important in base, how to start, what to do, what not to do, you know, it's much clearer now than it was, than it was like 15 years ago. That's the fact for sure, yeah. That's for sure, the availability to information is much easier. You said something earlier that I thought was pretty interesting about your skydiving and the point of entry. It was uh, for developing sportsmen and we had a conversation with somebody uh, who has since quit wingsuit base jumping and base jumping in, in general. And uh, he said he was thinking about getting back into it when he thought that the culture was more serious about safety and was a more uh, established sport. I think that we're starting to get there. Um, I think that, like you said, there's more available information people seem in general to follow a more reasonable progression it could also mean that i'm just out of touch and i jump with the people that i know and i'm surrounded by people that maybe you know follow a proper progression but where do you see us uh, in the state of our activity our sport as far as um establishing ourselves as something legitimate it's interesting question and it's very hard to actually answer that question because you know it's it same can be applied you know let's say how you see a uh, base jumping as a sport itself you know so let's start with definition of a base jumping itself you know my opinion is that base jumping is not a sport at all it's a skill so when you have something as a skill uh, it's hard to develop uh, that into something which you call it sport because, you know, that skill simply does not have elements which are necessary to be called sport. And then the crowd which actually entering such activity, they don't follow the sports rules because there is no ro- any rules, you know. And when there is no any rules, people often think that there is no rules also in teaching or learning or, you know, whatever, what is important, you know. Let me tell you one interesting uh, thing which uh, I was always applying on my students when I was doing mentoring. I never taught people base jumping, you know, like uh, having the school or whatever, because this was not my interest. But I was mentor, you know, to my friends, skydiving friends, you know. One of the rules were that person should not be younger than 27, uh, uh, younger than 27. So you have to be all 27 on, you know, to actually enter base jumping. Why this was important for me, you know, so that I have in front of me person who understands that it's not only about the good things. 
that also bad and very bad things may happen. So, you know, I find out that someone who is younger than that has hard time to understand that, you know, he can lose everything. So why is this important? It's important because um, I see now in, in base jumping, even though we have lots of information where you actually can find any information about anything, what you should do, what you not do, how to do it, where to do it, and so on, it's basically, um, it's no guarantee that person will enter the sport or enter the activity knowing this stuff, you know. So you have available information, but lots of people come still into the program, into the into jumping, unprepared, you know. Versus 20 years ago, when you had no information and you were hungry for information, you were seeking for information and you were digging and you were finding and you were asking and actually you find out because you were afraid that you will enter something with, that, with insufficient knowledge and you're going to be in a problem. Now kind of knowledge is around us, you know, buzz around us, you know, and we think that, yeah, yeah, we know everything, but basically I, I, I've uh, saw that in skydiving as well, you know, that we know everything, but basically when you go specifically with a question to the person, you find out that he actually has no clue about what he's doing. So this is what I find as a, the biggest, biggest issue in, 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 in base jumping these days, you know. Fluctuation is, fluctuation is huge. People are staying in, in jumping, let's say, a couple of years, two, three, four, then leave the sport if they survive. You know, um, w but but um, even though the knowledge is around us, and you can ask many people, I s it seems that 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 uh, these kids nowadays they are not really getting everything what they need to. Also, the problem is that they are rushing into base jumping. You know, skydiving. That's another element. You know. Maybe that was mistake saying 200 jumps and then you're free to go. I think it should be more like on the very individual level, you know. Maybe someone is ready after 30 jumps because of, I don't know, other experience in life. Someone is not ready even after 1,000 skydives, you know. So it's hard to judge there. I mean, you know, basic schools and, and, and how to develop these schools, it's a much bigger problem than it may appear on the first sight. This is how I see. Yeah, th there's a lot there. Um, I think the age of 25 or 26 makes a lot of sense because, uh, I mean, what we understand is that the human brain doesn't come to full development in a male, particularly after 25 years old. So <laughs> having your brain actually functioning at 100% is probably a smart idea before you get involved in something like base jumping that has uh, tremendous consequences. Uh, and then uh, you're saying that uh, people have a lot of knowledge, but then perhaps it doesn't equal wisdom, right? Like just because they know things, know like uh, factually and statistically and operationally that maybe it hasn't uh, been able to distill into a wisdom of, of application. Uh, how, does, how does someone go about doing that? So you're saying that if someone who is seeking out all the knowledge, finds it online, is you know, maybe lucky enough to have somebody who's been around for a while and, and, and get some good guidance. Are you saying that people should just forget about base jumping for a while and enjoy skydiving until they're um, 
you know, past 26 years old and thousands of jumps or, or is that something that's individual? Uh, definitely is individual. I mean, I'm just saying from my perspective, from my experience, you know, I wasn't ready. I mean, I, I doubt if I would be actually jumping starting earlier, even though it's back then was much harder because uh, equipment were not on the level which is now. It's, it's uncomparable what we have now and basically 25, 30 years ago. I mean, that's something also probably regular bay jumping nowadays has no clue, you know, but, you know, vented canopy, like it would be, what is this, you know, like uh, Magnum, okay. you know, uh, seven cell canopy with, uh, with ABC lines only. I mean, I would not even put on my shoulder this anymore ever you know but back then that that was that was normal so it's hard to say what somebody else has to do i'm just saying that that there is no need to rush you know of course it's it's it sounds like i i repeating you know what others saying but it's true you know cliff are there it's gonna be there bridges as well you know and i still think that actually uh spending more time in skydiving and and grab every possible knowledge, you know, from skydiving and then maybe even paragliding and other similar disciplines would help to understand bay jumping much better than just rushing on Brento and do, you know, jump on the 3, 4, 5, 20, 30, whatever, you know. Uh, because tell me, Lau, you know, like how you see 22-year-old jumper, you know, who just made his 200 skydive and standing on Brento exit and looking forward to his wonderful base career. He looks invincible. In his brain, he's invincible. You know, he thinks he's yeah, ready. Yeah. He's, you know, he's going to start charging. He's going to be filming everything and it's going to be great. Mostly it is, but, you know, and later on he find out that he's not ready and he's basically crashed and Heart. Yeah, I like what you said about uh, adding some other sports in there. I think it's important to do some sort of mountain activity or, or some some sort of activity that has consequences. Because in skydiving alone, we rely mostly on the green light to turn on as our decision making of whether or not it's safe to go. And uh, you know that's something that you know you can often hear in Brento is like, is the load going? You know, are we? Is it? And it's like, you know, yeah, the the bus is going, or there's a taxi, or whatever your means of getting to the top but may be going. Yeah. But yeah, that that decision making um, needs to come from activities that have potentially less drastic. Uh, Penalties. Consequences. Penalties, yeah. yeah, and penalties, absolutely. Um, and I think that we can get that from climbing, from from paragliding. And, you know, of course, they have significant uh, repercussions for bad mistakes as well. But, like, you know, you can make a small fall. You can have a bad day in the mountains, and it can get worse and worse. And, you know, this all comes from, from uh, you know, an accumulation of small mistakes, where an accumulation of small mistakes in base is – generally going to result in fatality. Do you think that base jumping is growing or shrinking? From what I can follow through, let's say, production and what I see around this, you know, globe, uh, I think it's not really growing, 
but its uh, fluctuation is much faster like uh, you know rotations are much faster than used to be there is lots of people who actually go through the first courses and uh, many of them stops many of them continues but only for two three years and then other generation goes and and again it's almost like you know whatever outdoor activity it's way more accessible now you know people just try that as well as biking as scuba diving or whatever rafting and so on spend there some time see if they like it or not whether they like it they enjoy a couple of years until life change and so on so in overall i don't think it's growing but more people are involved with that that's for sure i see yeah I said um, a while back online somewhere that uh, I thought wingsuiting as a sport was dying. And, and you said wingsuiting or, or base jumping isn't a sport at all. But I think something, an athletic activity that includes competition is a sport. Um, and if we look at competitions, um, what do we have nowadays? There, there are no base jumping competitions, really. Um, oh, yes. Uh not only bay jumping skydiving uh, sport element of skydiving dying and dying fast this is something which saddened me a lot you know and as in skydiving this component is dying this has repercussions of course in base as well but as i mentioned before you know i don't see base as a sport i see as a skill and that's why also we have problems to organize sport within base competitions my brother who was actually a professional athlete uh, runner you know 400 meter uh, he okay. was with me in lauterbrunnen 2010 or 11 i think when was this uh, speed competitions uh, flying you know like uh, right. held, the base race yeah yeah and he said it you know well you know he said like look you know now we gonna be it's a second day it's going to be semi-final and final round yeah so hype is up you know let's see who gonna win and look around you there is no bay jumpers nobody everybody left for jumping you know in other sports <laughs> in other sports you know you competing competing but the end you know everybody are interested and everybody want to cherish the moment of uh, of a winner glory you know so here in base jumping you know we're gonna find in uh, two minutes who gonna win without base jumpers without even competitors who were competing and against those two you know who gonna declare who is better you know this says a lot you see my point yeah you see my point I, you know i i do and then i was in kuala lumpur year 2001 when it was the world you know uh, whatever was world base jumping uh, championship whatever they call it you know yeah and it was nice competition but i was laughing basically because we competing in what in the curious you know, after all, and canopy opening, you know. Okay, so what we did, in order to, to make legal jumps from Petronas, we call it competition, base competition, which was actually competing, you know, accuracy jumping from the plane, hitting the target, or canopy openings, which you can do from, I don't know, 
crane or even plane or you know we just have to wrap it somehow to get legality you know so that we are safe and nice and also you know bay jumpers are hypocrites in general you know including me you know when you have to when you have to let's say um get a permit to jump something which is interesting for you you're gonna call bay jumpers the safest sport in the universe you know because you see nothing happens it's kind of is always this and that and we are super professional and everything is nice and fine and this and that okay you get the permit you jump that that's everything fine everything ends super nice for you you put in a logbook another object but then when it's some show about how cool we are, then in the media you will also say that oh, lots of people dying. This is the most dangerous sport in the planet because everything is so and so. We have to decide what we are, you know, how to approach, let's say, public, if that is important at all. You know, I think it's actually less and less important, and um, we have to just face the fact that actually um, we are not sport in 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 a sense what sport is, you know, as I explained, like what happened in Lauterbrunnen, you know, and this is going to be, this is going to stay. It's not going to change because we are rebels who are actually hoping around the mountains, searching for exits and, and sneaking into buildings. And this is what we are. So um, I don't see future of a, of a sport element in base whatsoever. Actually, I see that in skydiving, actually, it is dying as well because of other problems. You know, expense is becoming expensive. It's becoming hard to organize and whatever. You know, so this is really the challenge, right? Because base jumping is uh, the most pure expression of freedom uh, in sport or activity or skill or however you want to say it. Um, and usually, people that are drawn to that sort of activity are. Uh, want to remain free yep. um, but it also it also adds some challenges as far as site preservation and it also uh, in, in safety and then and like you said in in the aspect of sport um, but i'm curious i think this is a good way to to segue into uh, your thoughts on risk and danger within base because you know like it i i think that we could maybe throw on, um, you know, an equation for, for experience and base as, um, number of jumps times years in the sport, right? Because you don't have to do a lot of jumping, but then be paying attention to what's going on. And every year, you know, you get a little bit more and more understanding of what it is that we're actually doing. So I would say that you're someone who is, you know, at the very top of experience, how do you see risk in, in base and how do you categorize it for yourself and the friends around you? Uh, well, I have few things which are very important for me. When I started to jump, I realized very quickly that what I still hold is a one of the most important uh, things what every base jumper has to apply in his base career is uh, to choose to jump with whom he jumps. So, um, because being surrounded with the smart jumpers and uh, jumpers who actually can think about the risk, it's very important because no matter how experienced you are, you can be also trapped into, you know, locked into some thinking that everything's going to be fine and 
the jumps looks okay and I don't see any problem whatsoever. Having others who actually see different things may save your life once you are not ready to save your life. So uh, I was applying that, that, uh, that rule to myself from the very early uh, stage of my career. And um, for sure, a couple of times, uh, those guys were, were um, I'm thankful to them for me being still here. <coughs> because if you, of course, some, some, uh, some uh, bad things about having that rule is also very visible. If you are basically, let's say, less travel because you depend on this group, you know, with whom you're jumping. You're less traveling alone. You are not maybe doing all the jumps what you would prefer and so on. But as long as you know that you have that rule for your own safety, it's okay. Second rule, which I think is very important, and I also apply to myself through all these 30 years or 26 now seasons, is that balance is important, you know. Believe me, if I would be free and be able to do 250 or 300 bay jumps in one season, probably that's going to be my last season in bay jumping. I like to balance this with other activities, you know. You know, riding bikes, go with kids, uh, being in the nature, walking, whatever, being on the sea, um, just not only bay jump. And this is something which uh, it's hard for young bay jumpers to understand because I understand them. You know, they want in a short period of time, you know, to, to accumulate as much as possible, you know, knowledge and jumps and so on. But for inner balance, that's important, you know, so to be able to see picture better and to make, uh, to, to have decision process much clearer and, and much nicer and beneficial for your own safety. Um, so I kind of always suggest others, you know, to, to slow down, not in terms do not jump, but just, you know, because I know myself, when it's a jumping day, I jump a lot. I mean, I, I want to do, you know, not one, I want to do two, three, whatever, you know. But on those days where I decide not to jump, like, for example, you, you go in the nature, you're hiking, you, you do something else. And if you make a little survey and you see older, older jumpers around you, you will see that they do exactly that. You know, they are not only running for jumps whenever it's possible, but they rather choose some other activity, paragliding, scuba diving, whatever, you know. So I think this, this uh, the most important is to choose with whom you're going to jump and balance in your life in general for, for safety. Uh, and then decision when it comes to, the, 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 to, to let's say, whatever jumps, which is new for me, that's another set of questions, you know, how you do it. And, and you know, I believe every jumper has his own rule and, uh, which he follows. But. I, I'm curious about your own personal uh, process at the exit. Um, I think, you know, considering your experience level and, and how long you've been doing this, that uh, you probably don't find yourself often at an exit point where you're questioning yourself or, or doubting. It's sort of already been decided as, you know, in the morning when you're, you know, getting ready to go. Is that the case or do you still 
Are you still challenged with decision making? I am. I am. I mean, um, I can see that I changed personally, you know, like if I compare what kind of jumper I was, let's say, 10 years ago and now, I am different one. It's not the same person anymore. 10 years ago, I would take a little bit more risk, even though, you know, I knew, okay, it's probably going to be okay, but I would, let's say, go for a little bit more risk, you know, in order to, to make that very jump, you know. Nowadays, I'm... My criteria for, let's say, opening new exits are a little bit stiffer, a little bit stronger, and I am also um, very stiff to it, you know? Like, popular nowadays is laser data, and you see, and yeah, it's going to be okay, everything is fine, super. I agree, yeah. Only what I like to add also, you know, what if I slip? Well, if, if I if I do something simple, which, which of course happened in experienced people, because we experienced people, we know, you know about that, so that automatically means it's not going to happen to us. Well, statistics shows that it happens to us actually even more than to inexperienced people because of that mistake. It's not going to happen to us. It happened. It happened to me actually five years ago on, on, on one Slovenian cliff, you know, which was slightly positive and not particularly long. I slipped actually drastically, you know, very bad, you know, and wow. Yeah. And, um, and what was it I, like there's pebbles or, or what would like pour? Was was it grass kind of grassy, or? grassy, rocky, grassy, you know, and I didn't really, it just happened. I didn't actually put enough attention to it, you know, so I pushed and both legs just went up, you know, and the next fragment you know on a slightly positive i found myself ba basically Oof. close to scorpion position and believe me i actually stretched my back better than nadia komaneci you know probably you know this is gymnastic in order to keep my sh my my chest presented to the air huh? and uh, for like five seconds i was flying basically like a meter of the wall all the time so so after that, of course, you change your mind and said, okay, it happened, you know, okay. I cannot go through this, ah, oh, just happened, never mind. It's mind, yeah. And uh, I just add this little equation into my calculations for later on, you know. So what if I want to have enough room to clear if that happens? So if that means that I'm not going to open super short exit, I'm fine with that, you know. I'm I'm totally fine with that, especially what I like to add, you know, those super duper short exit usually has a shitty line. And and my flying, I, I enjoy flying lines. I mean I'm not lying, you know, I'm not really flyer who who cruising, you know, and, and enjoying landscape and so on. I I like to fly the line, you know. So from, from my first appearance in bay jumping, this is who I am, this is who I'm going to stay and knowing that I know that I'm not even interested for let's say some lines which are just another exit so and I'm fair with that you know also you know I like to say always to, to new jumpers you know the, nobody dies in a smart way you know it doesn't exist you know it's, it's always mistakes and more stupid mistakes is you are just more pissed so if you look through that perspective you know decisions are quite clear what you have to follow you know so this is how i see things. 
I have a mental exercise that I, I play and that's um, usually if I having any doubt, I sort of write my own base fatality entry and uh, try to envision the mistake that I could make. You know, it's like there's a certain power to negative thought. You know, everyone's always saying, you know, be positive, be positive. But if you're not looking at the negative, then you don't see what could potentially, you know, bite you. And uh, I, th- I think that, like you say, slipping may be the scariest element for me Um, because that's all that's always one that can just like uh, you know make us just a tiny everybody slips in their life you know you slip on a when you're exiting the house and it's raining outside or you know you're going to walk and you're not paying attention and you slip it happens to us we're humans but there's another element too that I uh, I kind of see as like the big uh, crux is uh, our openings um, and tension knots in particular. Um, do you have any thoughts about tension knots or, or have you had one? Do you have emergency procedures for them? And, um, uh, do you have any, I had, I had one very small one. I just actually lift my head up and I notice it and it cleared, you know, although now uh, when we talk i'll i'll tell you something which actually i'm doing now for four years and together with andre at atair because uh, i was involved with atair company since 1994 i was a test jumper for them as well you know for a for a good part of of uh, existence of atair and um I have one article actually almost ready to be introduced, you know, my thoughts about tension knots and why this happening. And it's a little bit different than, than after these four years of, of testing and so on, why this happening. And uh, I have to see with Andre when we're going to go out with that and so on. Uh, true, you know, I think this, what we're preparing, going to give some answer to 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 what to do and what not to do because since i start to apply that and it's about uh, central rubber bands you know central it has something with that you know with with primary stowing you know and also with construction of the of the canopy itself you know and i think this this gonna give some answers positive answers to the future because um, all the jumpers who've been applying that change on atair canopies hasn't got any tension knots ever in the last four years. So statistically, that's good, you know. So I believe it's going to change the, 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 at least will save some lives in the future, you know. Opening itself, I can say that, um, you know, since uh, first wingsuiting, uh, when we start base wingsuit, and now it's drastically changed to better. You know, because uh, of the benefic- benefits uh, new wingsuits actually can create, like uh, slowing speed, uh, different presentation to relative wind, flaring, and so on. In opposed what used to be before, you know, full speed and then just bang. and then, bam yeah, yeah, and then pendular moment, and then you put yourself into, into line twist, not really, uh, and so on. So this element of safety in, in, in wing shooting base improved a lot, and I see less and less problem with that, you know, uh, to the point where actually this, let's say, say, escape sleeves and stuff like that are not really so essential, like they might be like six, seven years ago, you know. So, but as I said, you know, um, 
about the, the tension knot, I would not say much right now because soon we're gonna go out with something which might then we can talk again about okay that. great well then we'll yeah. talk about it then i'm looking forward to hearing yeah. what you guys have uh, put together uh that that's interesting too yeah i i for sure but i was thinking about that just the other day because uh like you said uh you know in the last couple of years all of my openings are just so smooth and fantastic like am i getting soft you know like it because <laughs> when i when I have that tension, when I have a tension knot or I have line twist or something, it's gonna, I mean, it's going to be so out of the ordinary of like, cause like you said, it was like five years ago or, or maybe even longer. It was like, you know, almost like getting into a car accident. Like each one was like, you know, I don't, I didn't come into this with the sort of experience in parachuting that you did. And, and I, I learned a lot in the mountains, unfortunately. Um, but, um, you know, I think with luck, I, I was able to, uh, to sort of find my place self where I am now. Um, but, um, yeah, really loving my openings and, um, it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is good. Good for us. I guess, um, going back to your, your risk, um, or your comfort with risk, uh, do you think that that has anything to do with, uh, you becoming a father? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I often said, since I already said that I'm very into, when I wing sitting, I'm into basically terrain flying, you know. I, I'm saying that actually I adjust my risk management so that I'm not so close anymore, you know. Even though, you know, people have problem to understand that. But since you are a flyer as well, you know, you would understand like many others, you know, it's, you know if, you, if you move away a meter, you know, that's a lot, you know, but uh, it's not about actually how close you are to something. It's it's whole understanding of what you're going to do and when you're going to do, you know, than just how close you are at a certain moment in your flight, you know. Uh, put it in different words, it's let's say maybe 10 years ago, I would pull some line, you know, even in conditions which are not really good, you know, in terms of winds or, 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 or thermals or sinks or visibility. Nowadays, this is not an even question, you know. I would do something when conditions are, let's say, close to perfect. This much I changed my approach to jumping and what I mentioned before, this extra, you know, altitude, let's say, on exits, on, on new exits, or even on all the exits, you know, mm, so to calculate possibility of slipping or bad exit or whatever, you know. So I am thinking that it's possible to, to have a nice career and to continue base jumping, you know, and control your risk management well, even though you are father of two, three, four, whatever kids you are, you know. And there are some people who has kids and some Frenchies, who are extraordinary good jumpers, you know, and still does that. So, after all, risk is always around us, you know, so it, it would be stupid to say, uh -huh, you quit that and you are safe now, you know. Also in bay jumping, uh, bay jumping window, it's, it's a risky spot has one good thing is that, and that is that, you know, when we jump, we are exposed to risk actually quite short period of time, you know. 
let's say alpinism or some climbing you know where you're exposed hours into the same kind of risk right or paragliding or speed riding where actually you know it's kind of similar or long longer so it's not all the elements talking against base jumping you know i think understanding is first necessary to 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 understand what we are talking about. So definitely I will continue jumping. I will not quit because I have kids because anyway, there is no guarantees, you know, but uh, I will be responsible and uh, will try to be as much as responsible I can be in order to, well, be a father, you know. Absolutely. Uh, that sounds very similar to uh, my own perspective. I know that um, I, I struggled at first uh, with fear and another element that comes into me and my practice too is that my wife is uh ellen is also jumping so you know it's uh we're exposing our kids to almost twice as much of uh the possibility of of losing a parent (laughs) but um you know one of the things that um you know like when someone who doesn't jump asks you about that like oh now that you have kids are you going to stop jumping you know it's like well this is no, this yeah. is who we are and exactly. uh, yeah. and it brings so much uh, joy and color to my life and uh it adds such dimension that uh you know i, I can one of the risks that i see of not doing it is regret and and feeling like i gave up a big part of myself you know i think it's important for parents to uh take precautions and uh, plan for the worst, you know, not just leave your kids as orphans with no money or, or means of survival. Um, but in a responsible way, we're, we're not, we're not just throwing risk into the wind. It's uh, it's uh, we're trying to live our best lives at the same time. I agree. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, another thing that I, I think that you've been uh, quite a, um, at the forefront of innovation and some might even think it's a step backwards, but, uh, it's really changed base in a big way is, um, the onesie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> when you go to, to a popular jumping site, like here in Maglon or in Lauterbrunnen, I mean, there's, there, people are jumping onesies and, uh, people are, are, are jumping one suit, you know, piece tracking suits and it's extremely popular. Like, tell us about the, the development of that and, and, and what you think about it. A little bit of history before I start, uh, with onesie is the fact that actually somewhere around 2011 Dukes, yeah, came to me and said like, oh, Robbie, you have to make this onesie, you know? So he already gave the name of it, you know, onesie. Because, you know, look, this, this, uh, what was this uh, French uh, cruise? What was his, you know, this Michelin looking yep, the cruise, cruise yeah, yeah, right. Look at this, you know, and Fred and Vince and, you know, and I was like, okay, okay, yeah, 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 super nice, you know. But at that point, I was so much into wingsuiting that to me, it was just really sounded like step backward, you know, and I'm like, okay, 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 I will, I will work on it, but, you know, I need to get good idea how to make it. I don't want to just, you know, making something similar, so to be basically another Michelin looking suit, you know, so, and it took me like solid five years after I came out with Bonzi and, um, 
what to say i was blown out you know like when i jumped it and when i see actually what i got in hands even though the first ones the very first one was difficult to fly balance was a little bit off you know we corrected quite quickly you know uh, but i was basically surprised what i developed you know like uh, i mean even now when you look like uh, the surface of that thing you know with the glide what it actually provides and especially easiness of, of handling and how it flies where basically an inexperienced jumper all what he has to do is to put hands back and be flat you know should does the rest you know let's say 80 percent at least the next 20 is up to skill uh, it's 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 incredible uh, i do think that this one's actually changed a lot uh, current base uh, base uh, scene and it works very well for safety especially as a transition tool from tracking or let's say slick jumping from the clips toward wingsuit flying once it really helps jumper to understand the speed lift you know stall elements of the of the, of the flying and uh, I'm very happy actually we have Wonzi out, not from just commercial point of view that it allows my company, you know, uh, good progress and so on, but also from the safety point of view. And I believe that in the future, because of this fluctuation, because of the, 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 the fact that actually people, more people entering the sport, but uh, staying there uh, less time, I believe that once it's gonna be, or let's say, mono tracking suits gonna be um, the uh, one of the standard standards, yes, for the future, which will actually allow people to to enjoy the line, enjoy the speed, cover distance, but on the other hand, stay safe, because true is, you know, uh, statistically, canopies in in once it opens pretty much all the time on heading, no line twist, no, 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 any problems. Hands are free, you can pull lower, you can grab your toggles faster. You know, it has, it kept all the, you know, good part of the, let's say, low openings in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a, without wingsuits, it kept, you know, uh, within the, the jump while still allows you to, to fly fast and, and, and further away. So I'm super happy with the onesie and I do see some improvements as well, you know, where I can actually make it better still. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. There's definitely uh, an element of less complexity. Uh, like you don't have to unzip your legs. You don't have to unzip the arms. Um, the, the flaring and pitching process is uh, more or less less Same. more basic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think like one of the safety elements that's really attractive too, is that when you get off balance at the exit, your arms are free to sort of help balance yourself out. Uh, whereas you're sort of confined in the straight jacket of the wingsuit. <laughs> and we have common friends who, um, who have quit jumping wingsuits off of cliffs and, uh, but continue to jump with, uh, Bonzi, yeah. yeah. I see myself, you know, within, let's say, five, six, seven years, whatever, you know, I don't know. But I see myself in the future more in Bonzi, 
you know, as closer I'm going to be like 60, 62, 3, you know, whatever age, you know, it's not far from that. I'm not far from that age, you know, but I see, I see myself actually doing more onesies in the future. For sure. So you can still use your cane as you get to the exit point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, for that, uh, that's actually it's getting um, harder and harder, you know, but I work on that as well, you know, lots right. of activity. You are, you are working on that, right? I mean, yeah, I yeah. see uh, we, we follow each other on Strava and uh, you're putting up some impressive uh, regularity in your running and your training. Uh, you know, I'm surrounded with goats, you know, in Slovenia and, and, and Italy, Dolomites, you know, young youngsters, you know, 30 years old. I have to keep up with them. And I found out right. that the only way to keep up with them is actually to put lots of energy into being in good shape. Because it's not only up to following them, but once you are get on the exit, you know, and you have to be fresh in order to actually perform well. That's another element which people cannot see on a video. You know, you see jumpers standing on the exit, but you cannot see mental or physical, you know, condition of the jumper. And that element is super important. So I find out that if I want to continue in a positive and progressive way, this is what I have to do. And I'm doing with the happiness. I mean, it changed a lot also my my approach to jumping. Yeah. So I advise people to actually do exercise a lot and, and do something in that in that regard, you know. It's great. I mean, let's talk about balance in your life. Exercise is a massive help in as far as staying balanced mentally and physically. Uh, you know, I, one of the questions that I had for you was about longevity because you've stayed excited about jumping for so long in an activity that, you know, sees people quitting usually in two years. And I think you've sort of already answered this question uh, uh, as far as like, you know, through balance and um, and uh, does physical activity and, and charging with the young guys up the mountain uh, and staying fit add to uh, an element of longevity for you in base absolutely i mean for for years already now you know after being 26 seven seasons in base jumping it's not about jumping anymore much because most of the jumps i already did you know so as i explained i'm not rushing into opening new exit just for new exit because this is not interest for me it's more interest about flying i, I like quality flying and uh, and uh, definitely, you know, to continue, I I like actually the, the group of people I'm jumping with. I'm enjoying actually whole day, you know, since we start, we meet, uh, then since we, you know, do a hike and land and so all this, you know, energy is what actually attract me to keep going, you know, and um, the the it's hard for me to say that, you know, tomorrow I'm going jumping that I'm going to, you know, experience something new, something different. I know what I'm going to experience, you know, I probably know what exit I'm going to jump and so on. But I just find it that it's something like you said, you know, if I'm going to decide to quit, big part of me going to be sad, you know, and um, the most important element is that I, I don't see, I, I can, I cannot see the reason why to quit, you know, just because I'm like, what, 57, you know, or just because, 
you know, well, not many people of your age are jumping or just because it's too dangerous. These are all questions, you know, Wolfo can ask you and you can just like, you know, kick your shoulders and continue, you know, because, okay, I'm not feeling, I, I'm not feeling uh, uh, bad. I'm not feeling, uh, you know, that I'm not capable of doing this in a proper way, you know. So wh why to quit, you know? So I, I believe that with the proper, proper um, training, with the proper... Uh, uh, Preparation and mindset? Yeah, mindset, yeah, mindset missing me, yeah. With the proper mindset, we can go and, and continue jumping. Okay, I will adjust what I said probably. I will do more onesies in the future probably as I'm going to start feeling that maybe wingsuit is complicated because of those reasons, you know, zippers, legs, this and that, you know, because you know we're not gonna get better you know physically we're gonna degrade i mean i'm i'm definitely aware of that you know so right. but also you know uh after all being that long time in 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 base jumping answer is there you know what is important longevity you know because nobody's died in a smart way Whatever you did in your career, you know, as far as good line, whatever you flew, whatever, you know, whatever rat shit you did, nobody really cares, you know. And everything got forgotten within a day, you know. And also people who died got forgotten within a day, you know. That's sad, but that's true, you know. My, my good friend, you know, Chico, he said, after all, you know, it sounds very rough, but, you know, after all, your kids... If they are not too young, you know, and your mama gonna suffer and nobody else after all. And, and that's true, you know, this, I mean, it's a tough subject for the end, but basically, you know, if you think about it, he pointed right, you know. So um, I think it's important to actually set a goal, you know, if you love base jumping, you know, so much, longevity is the way to go for sure. I definitely agree with that. That's a lot of profound uh, statements right there and, uh, <laughs> and food for thought for a lot of us. Before we go, um, or before I let you go, um, there's one thing that I want to talk about and your thoughts about uh, manu competition amongst manufacturers and mm -hmm. uh, a subsequent, uh, in quotes, brand war. Uh, what do you think about like uh, some of the the tribalism that is surrounded in in base. Oh yeah, yeah that's that's uh, okay. I have a privilege to be basically the first company present in uh, in in the world of of skydiving, bay jumping with the wingsuits. Yeah, and uh, since I was first, I was the subject. I might say, you know. I was the subject to attack, you know, which is natural. Like, you know, whatever company came after, they wanted to be better than the Phoenix Fly, right? Which is totally natural because that's a, that's a, that's a very simple way how the market actually works, yeah? So I was Tony, then actually Squirrel came and, uh, and so on. But, you know, I think it's important for jumpers to know one very important thing about me, you know. When I started company, uh, I started company not to be the biggest and the best, 
I started company because it was it was really challenging in order to see if this will even work, you know. And with that company, when I actually made my first wingsuit, also I was developing wingsuit for myself and how I see wingsuit flying. So you are long enough in the sport and you remember Skyflyer type of a suit. Remember? Right. And yes. if you see Sky, if you remember Skyflyer, and then if you see Vampire now, what is common? This hole between the legs and the deflector, right? And since then, you know, I was always quite obs obsessed with vampire style wingsuit, with this hole, with this deflector, with this, because for me that was the style of flying which I kind of always liked it. And the truth is that I always develop suit in order to make me fly better. And then second thought was what market wants, which is different, to, or at least I believe it's different than what is now, you know, where we listen market and then we fulfill what market needs, you know. They like bigger suits, smaller suits, that suit. Back then was different for me, you know. But also I never, as a owner of Phoenix Fly, I never really wanted to expand to, let's say, size what Squirrel is, or even what Tony is, because I wanted to have my life next to having company, you know. That's one thing. Also, uh, developing company in the country which was formerly East country. Now you're thinking, what is the problem there? But actually, there is a lot of problem, you know. Um, we were not like on the West where, you know, you have your own company and it's, you know, coming something from, let's say, Germany automatically. It's fantastic. It's good product and so on. You know, developing wingsuit in Slovenia in 1998, how that sounds to, let's say, some guy from Denmark. You see my point? Okay. So yeah. I was lucky that actually this was not even the question when this wingsuit came out in 99 because it was so revolutionary new. It was so important that actually it's even available to mass market that nobody really didn't care about from where it comes. I thought that this gonna, that the fact that actually suits gonna be produced in former socialist country or communist, like West likes to say, you know, gonna play important role, but actually didn't play a role at all. It's it's interesting, you know. Nowadays, when I think about it, it's interesting. It's just because it was Robert Pechnik and it was basically first commercial wingsuit. If someone now in Ukraine, let's say, starts wingsuit company, or in Slovakia. You know, think about it, Romania, even now, like 2022, you know, it has repercussions, you know, it's, it's, it's different, you know. So I, I was, back then when I started that, I, I faced lots of problem and lots of doubt what it's going to be. And my goals were going along with that, you know, just to survive and have happy time and, and do something I like and do it for myself and then for the market. So I was doing wingsuit for myself and for the market, you know. How many companies can say that, 
nowadays, you know. Not only in flying, just in general, you know. So this is the difference. So I didn't want ever to be the biggest, to be, you know, with, with hundreds of employed workers, to feed market next day, you know. I knew in a sense that this is not possible, but more importantly, I didn't want that, you know. So that's, that's and now competition, when it comes in all that, I'm not thinking that actually, I'm aware that I'm not the biggest uh, shareholder of the, of the, of the, of the wingsuit market, not gonna ever be, you know. But I still cherish the, the, the fact that actually we are doing very good, but that we are actually producing uh, some cool stuff in wingsuits and especially also in a, in a, in a mono area like, like onesies and track suits. So we're doing good, you know, and people still looking at us, you know, and, and some see some good things, some not, but it's up to them. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'm not, I don't think I'm, I'm the one who boosting the brain world because I really have no need for that, you know. I don't believe that also actually, I believe that, that some jumpers or, or some people who actually maybe seeing benefit of, of being super loyal, boosting some stuff like that, you know. But being super loyal is what at the end of the day, you know, you know. It's it's hard Dogma, to really religion. What actually pisses me off most of the time is I seen that brain war at the beginning of the canopy piloting, if you remember, you know. PD versus Icarus and so on, you know. Remember, like twenty years ago when that started on the pounds around America, you know. But they. I, I nodded my head, but I, I wasn't around at that yeah, point. Yeah. So, 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 so you're in, that, informing. That 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 brand war actually died out in let's say a period of six seven years you know and nowadays you can't really feel it. i mean it's always present but it's in more in a level of of let's say jokes and and so on i believe that you know with the time uh, our society gonna be grown enough and smart enough to to let this you know fade slowly you know it would be good, but if not, okay, I'm I'm okay with it. I don't know. It's 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 difficult question, why that happens. But you know, I think it's this super loyalty is is the, the maybe, you know, the answer to it. You know, as long as we're gonna have less and less super loyal customers, <laughs> it's gonna be less and less brain war. You know, I don't know. It's hard to say. You know? I think everyone is uh, producing some very impressive products these days and uh, it's healthy for the consumer because, uh, you know, innovation uh, is coming from all angles. Absolutely it agree. makes a lot of yeah. options. Because and, uh, if I may add, for example, you know, like uh, last couple of seasons, you know, lots of people visiting also Slovenia, an area where I jump, you know, and I truly don't care which suit they have, you know. I show them you know, places around and uh, how I'm trying to be nice and I'm, well, maybe um, I'm not nice <laughs> all the time, you know, like publicly, but believe me, I'm, I don't know. You're Baltic, you're Baltic nice. Well, <laughs> I, I would say maybe I'm direct, you know, you know, okay. like, I don't know. But you yeah. are the one who would judge that. You know, I cannot judge that area for myself. So, 
that that is um you know i've always uh, i i've met you on uh, a few occasions and um we've had some correspondence uh, over some uh, issues and questions that i had and i've always considered you someone uh that's uh, an authority on the subject and i've really valued our conversation today and all the feedback and information that you've provided me over the years so uh, thank you very much robert and um i look forward to talking to you later when you guys come out with your uh, attention not report Thank you very much, uh, Lau. It was a pleasure for me to to be a part of your uh, podcast. And yeah, see you another time. Huh? All right. Yeah. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Exit Point. Big shout out to Mark Stockwell, our co-producer and editor. I don't know where we'd be in this project without him. If you see him on the street, give him a big high five and thank him for everything he's done. And remember, we love hearing from you. So any comments, questions, suggestions on future episodes, please feel free to hit us up. Contact information is in the description. Till then, see you next time.